Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 204 is entitled, Recognizing the Hand of God, Part 1A, Mortality versus Immortality. I am beginning a new series entitled, Recognizing the Hand of God. This is the first in the series. The other examples will follow randomly. The purpose of this series is to prove that God works by law, that all blessings of God are based upon law. Otherwise, faith could not develop. And it is only by faith that miracles occur. And it is only by faith that we follow the commandments of God. By discovering law, we can discover the hand of God. For example, consider the laws of nature. There is a cause and there is an effect. We call that the principle of causality. God is the God of nature, and God works through law. Whether natural law or spiritual law, they are both subject to the principle of causality. In other words, if we want electricity, we must obey the conditions of the laws of electricity. If we want a blessing from God, we must obey the commandments or conditions established by God to receive that blessing. I will illustrate this principle with the following example from the Ten Commandments, often referred to as the commandment with a promise. Honor thy father and thy mother, so that thy days may be long in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The condition is to honor your father and mother. The promise is that your days will be long in the land that the Lord thy God gives you. The condition, stated as a commandment, is the cause. The blessing is the effect. It is not my purpose here to explicate the verse or to define the terms. I'll save that for another podcast. Here I shall just say that the Lord gave Moses the Ten Commandments before they reached the Promised Land. The Ten Commandments, as stated by James in the New Testament, is the law of liberty. The Fifth Commandment was given as the key to the longevity of a nation. The children of Israel were not intended by the Lord to have kings. They were meant to be led by prophets, but judged by righteous judges chosen by the people. Though theocratic, it was not a totalitarian state. It was a democracy. They had twelve tribes comparable to our states. Each tribe would choose their own judges. It was the perfect model. Strong families are essential to any free nation. The Ten Commandments apply just as much to America as they did to the Twelve Tribes of Israel, and it is just as important for America to obey the Fifth Commandment as it was for the Twelve Tribes of Israel. Just as the House of Israel fell because the family fell, America will fall if the families fall. I urge everyone to resist any attack on the family. There is no greater act of treason in America than the act of destroying the family. There is no Catholic hymn adopted by all Christians entitled, Faith of Our Fathers, which is a clear reference to the fifth commandment. The following are verses 3 and 4. 
faith of our fathers, we will strive to win all nations unto thee. And through the truth that comes from God, mankind shall then indeed be free. Faith of our fathers, holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. Faith of our fathers, we will love both friend and foe in all our strife, and preach thee, too, as love knows how by kindly words and virtuous life. Faith of our fathers, holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. God created earth and the other celestial bodies through natural law. Science has claimed natural laws as their domain, for those are the only laws they understand. The purpose of math is to describe temporal laws. Science confuses the language of things with the thing itself. For example, they confuse language with law. Math describes law, but math itself is not law any more than a metaphor that describes the sunrise is the sunrise. It does not matter how refined language becomes. Language never becomes the thing itself. Science confuses language with truth. The weight of words never equals the weight of the anvil it describes. Light, truth, and law are eternal things. Eternal things are the primary reality. We live in a melting world. Matter and energy, which can be neither created nor destroyed, can be organized by law and create a temporal reality subject to entropy. In our world, visual reality changes, but light, truth, and law never change. Spiritual law deals primarily with eternal things. Temporal law deals primarily with physical things that are in a constant state of change. Spiritual laws govern our spiritual reality, which also have conditions and consequences. Temporal laws govern our temporal reality, which also have conditions and consequences. Earth, as I will repeat many times, is the hinge upon which eternity swings. What we do now in our temporal reality will determine how we spend eternity in our spiritual reality. We are awarded one death and one resurrection. In this life, we determine the glory we will receive in the resurrection. Light is a constant, both in this world and in the next. Here we are governed by the light of the sun. In eternity, we will be governed by the light of truth. The light and truth we gain here will rise with us in the resurrection, for truth and light are eternal, regardless of whether we live in a mortal world or an immortal world. Those who live by the philosophy, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, though they may find pleasure in this life, pleasure added upon pleasure till it cloys itself with gluttony, will regret how they spent their short probation when they enter the next life. Cheated by artificial light, Unaware that they are now living in darkness, the light they will see in the next life will reflect the light of the laws they lived on earth, which will be dim in comparison to the sun. And their eternal condemnation will be that they will never see the light of the perfect day. They will live forever in blissful ignorance and ignorant darkness. To the believer, science reveals the hand of God in nature through natural law. To the unbeliever, science merely reveals the natural effects of the laws of nature. Science deals only with the physical and not the metaphysical. They prefer the color of language over the eternal nature of truth. Natural laws are the only laws that can be determined by math and science and equations and formulas and instruments. 
They are subject to the scientific method, which is built upon a logical structure devised by man. Science does not allow miracles into their equations, for miracles require faith and cannot be reproduced in a lab. All blessings are miracles of God. Spiritual laws alone require miracles. A miracle is an act of God brought about by faith and governed by laws not yet discovered by science. To the believer, all miracles are subject to the laws of God. There's no such thing as a lawless miracle. A world without miracles is a world without the presence of God. That would be a sad world indeed. Individual scientists may acknowledge the hand of God through personal faith, but science is a philosophy of man and does not recognize God in the equation. They recognize only temporal law. Those who believe in God see the hand of God in nature. Those who do not believe in God see only temporal law and do not recognize intelligent design. They attribute the origin of things to chance, which would itself be a miracle considering the constants necessary for life. Science recognizes the four forces of nature, but cannot account for the existence of those four forces. 1. The electromagnetic force. 2. The law of gravity. 3. The weak nuclear force. 4. The strong nuclear force. This is the cause of the split between science and religion. If law itself exists, then it follows that the universe is merely a machine, and we are part of that machine. There is no purpose, no free will, no intelligent design, and no God. It is from this paradigm that theoretical science draws its false conclusions. The huge dilemma of science is that the appearance of things does not validate that theory. For example, all creation is so refined that it appears to be governed by intelligent design. From the narrow view of science, the scientific method applies only to temporal law and does not allow for divine intervention for intelligent design, or for God. Everything to science must have a logical explanation validated by mathematical certainty, by prediction, and by experimentation. That is both its strength and its weakness. Prediction is the hallmark of science. In an ironic twist, scientists do believe in omniscience, just not in the omniscient God. They believe in the omniscience, or at least the potential omniscience, and omnipotence of science. In pure science, there can be no God or Satan or good or evil, no moral or immoral, no heaven or hell. In another ironic twist, if you carry the views of science to their logical conclusion, you would have to conclude that no hell devised by man or God could equal the hell devised by science. From the scientific view, the universe is expanding, and life ends in either a giant heat death or an infinite deep freeze. That sounds very much like hell to me. The difference between the Christian hell and the scientific hell is that in the Christian hell, one is acutely aware of his guilt but has hope of release. In the scientific hell, there is no consciousness because there is no life after death. In addition, without absolute morality determined by God, good and evil are mere words to describe the behavior of man. For example, most people would call murder evil. But without absolute laws of morality, evil is a floating term, and murder is limited to mortality and has no eternal consequences. In fact, from the point of view of science, nothing man does has eternal consequences. If there is no pre-mortal existence of man, there is no possibility of a post-mortal existence of man. Everything is in the here and now.
Murder in a world without absolutes is merely measured by its inconvenience to society and does not reach beyond the boundaries of its mortal effect. A world without absolutes has no true opposites. Everything is relative to the perceptions of man, which change with the tides. In modern terms, the war that is presently raging in Ukraine that has caused such horror and suffering and so many deaths is merely a historical glitch kept alive by memory. When memory dies, it is archival, resurrected by words alone. In a world without moral absolutes, the past means nothing, and the future has no purpose since it will suffer a giant heat death. It is nihilism at its worst, for after this life, there is nothing. Nothing is good or evil because nothing has inherent value. Even murder is treated as a mere inconvenience to those personally affected. It has social implications, but has no moral implications since there is no God, no absolute moral law, and no divine standards of judgment. There are earthly consequences, but no eternal accountability. Religion, on the other hand, speaking specifically of Christianity, takes a much broader view. Christianity sees things from an eternal perspective. There is life before birth, and there is eternal life after death. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.